This message is brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about our ministries, we encourage you to visit us online at tabernaclehickory.org. That's tabernaclehickory.org. You can find our sermons on a number of platforms, including Apple iTunes, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. We trust that God will use this message to speak to your heart. I want to ask you to turn with me. Uh, to start in the book of Hebrews in chapter number 11. Hebrews chapter number 11, and we're going to read just a few verses about a very special and used man and his beginnings, and then going through some of his life, how the Lord used him. And we're speaking of Moses this morning. And so, As we read in Hebrews chapter 11, we'll start in verse 23. Note these first two words, by faith. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Through faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. By faith, they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, which the Egyptians are saying to do, were drowned. And so we see here in uh, Hebrews chapter 11, in these few verses, a, a synopsis, if you will, of the life of Moses and his great impact for the nation of Israel and for his God. We also understand that there were great influences in his life And of course, God being that influence and using others to be an influence in his life. Like Jethro, his father-in-law, gave him wise counsel and helped him in many ways. We think of Pharaoh's daughter who took him in. And then, of course, his parents. And we see the impact of his parents on his life early on, early on. And uh, we're thankful for that. But we also look into a passage where we see the emphasis upon his mother. And so I want you to turn with me to hold your place there in Hebrews. We'll refer back to it in just a few moments. But turn with me to Exodus chapter number 1. And while you're turning to Exodus chapter number 1, we understand uh, that 400 years prior to this, Jacob had brought his family down to Egypt, to Goshen, to dwell, where Joseph uh, nourished them and cared for them. And Abraham had uh, been told by God that his children were going to be in Egypt for 400 years, and so they were for 400 years. And the Bible tells us that things, of course, started off well, but later on they got really bad. And we're going to look at that, and we're going to start in verse number eight of Exodus 
chapter number one. And I've got three thoughts that I want to give you this morning from this passage and from our passage in Hebrews. And we're going to look at, first of all, this morning, number one, the Hebrews crisis, the crisis. Look with me, starting in verse number eight. Now there arose up a new king over Egypt, which knew not Joseph. And he said unto his people, Behold, the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. They're more abundant. They're more powerful than we are. God had blessed his children in the land of Goshen. And he goes on to say in verse 10, Come on, let us deal wisely with them, lest they multiply. And it come to pass that when they're fallen out any war, they join also unto our enemies and fight against us and so get them up out of the land. Therefore they did set over them taskmasters to afflict them with their burdens. And they built for Pharaoh treasure cities, Python and Ramesses. But the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew and they were grieved because of the children of Israel. And so we see, and we'll follow along in the chapter here, but we see that the Hebrew children are now in quite a crisis. Uh, Their lives are in danger. They are enslaved now. They are at least being mistreated. And we're going to notice some specific wording here as we go through and look at the Hebrews' crisis. By the way, in the midst of this crisis was when... Moses' parents were born. His father, Amram, we find out, and uh, Jochebed, his mother, were born during this crisis. And so this type of living that we'll describe here in just a few moments uh, to more detail is, is what they were used to. It's what they grew up in. It's what they were born in. And yet, what a faith that we read about they had uh, as we looked at Hebrews chapter 11. So where did this crisis come from? Well, we see from the scriptures that it was motivated by fear. We read verses 8 through 11 where there was a new Pharaoh, a new king in Egypt, and he was afraid of the children of Israel. Why? Because verse 9 says that they were more and mightier than the Egyptians. They were more abundant. They were more powerful by their numbers. And so he comes up with this plan, and here we see why he comes up with this plan. It's because of fear. Come on, verse 10, let us deal wisely with them, lest they multiply, and it come to pass that when there falleth out any war, they join also unto our enemies and fight against us. And so get them up out of the land. And so he's afraid that uh, if an enemy comes against Egypt, that the Israelites are going to side with uh, the enemy and fight against the Egyptians. And look at his greatest fear there at the end of the verse. And so get them up out of the land. He didn't want them to leave. They were the laborers. They were the ones who were building these uh, cities, the two cities that we'll look at in just a moment. Uh, They are the ones who are keeping the hierarchy, if you will, the the Pharaoh and his government from from working in hard labor and using them uh, just as slaves, bond slaves. Verse 11, Therefore, They did set over them taskmasters to afflict them with their burdens. The word afflict there means to depress, 
to weaken, uh, to overbusy them. He wanted to keep them so occupied with their work and keep them burdened in their labor. And so they built for Pharaoh treasured cities, Python and Ramesses. And oftentimes that's the way the devil works, isn't it? He overburdens us and we think that uh, we, we get over busied and, and we don't have time, if you will, uh, to be able to think of the things of God, to spend time with Him. And uh, it is a heaviness upon our lives. And so the crisis was motivated by fear, but I also want you to notice that it was motivated by hatred. Look at verses 12 through 14. Verse 12 says, but the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew. What an evidence of the hand and power and blessing of God. And they were grieved because of the children of Israel. The word grieved means to loathe. They were sickened. They abhorred the children of Israel because even though they overburdened them and depressed them and oppressed them, they still multiplied and grew and they hated them. It goes on. Verse 13, the Egyptians made the children of Israel to serve with rigor or with cruelty and they made their lives bitter with hard bondage in mortar and in brick and in all manner of service in the field. All their service wherein they made them serve was with rigor. I want you to notice that portion of verse 14, the first part, and they made their lives bitter with hard bondage. You see, this word bitter is harsh or is uh, enraged or vexed, if you will. And as a result, it not only affected them while they were working, whatever their hours through the day may be, but this type of hatred, this crisis, not only affected them while they were working or uh, as, as servants, but it affected their lives. It says, and they made their lives bitter with hard bondage. It affected their daily lives. Uh, it, it, it reached into every part of their lives. The, the anger and the vexation in their heart, they brought home with them. They brought home to their marriages, perhaps. They brought home to their children and to their neighbors. And uh, so there was, there was much uh, of, of, of an effect in their lives, in their daily living. And so this crisis was motivated by fear. It was motivated by hatred, but it was also motivated by power. The Pharaoh had uh, known of the history of previous Pharaohs and the dominance that they had, and he wanted to be sure that even though the Israelites were growing and many uh, more and uh, more powerful and mightier than they, that he wanted to keep his dominance over these people. And so we see in verse 15, And the king of Egypt spake to the Hebrew midwives, of which the name of the one was Shifra and the name of the other Pua, and uh, we uh, believe that these were perhaps Egyptians who were chief of the midwives. There were certainly more than two midwives. But these were chief of the midwives and uh, Egyptians uh, that were uh, chief of the midwives for the Hebrews. Verse 16, and he said, when you do the office of a midwife to the Hebrew women and see them upon the stools, if it be a son, then you shall kill him. But if it be a daughter then she shall live. So he wanted all of the boys who would be born to be killed. And because if there were fewer males, then the Egyptians could certainly keep their dominance. They could keep their power. 
Verse 17, but the midwives feared God and did not as the king of Egypt commanded them, but saved the men children alive. And the king of Egypt called for the midwives and said unto them, why have you done this thing and have saved the men children alive? And the midwives said unto the Pharaoh, because the Hebrew women are not as the Egyptian women, for they are lively and are delivered ere the midwives come in unto them. Therefore God dealt well with the midwives, and the people multiplied and waxed very mighty. And it came to pass, because the midwives feared God, that he made them houses. And I don't necessarily think we're talking about stick-built homes, but we're talking about families. They were, uh, they were given, if you will, children, perhaps. But God had blessed them because of their willingness to honor the God of the Hebrews. And Pharaoh charged... All his people saying, every son that is born he shall cast into the river and every daughter he shall save alive. So he knows he can't get the cooperation of the midwives and so he puts out this, uh, this bulletin for all the people of Egypt that if you see a son that is born, I am deputizing you to take it upon yourself to cast that child into the river so that he may drown. We see God through this entire crisis. The more that the Egyptians afflicted them, the harder that they tried to make it, the more they tried to reign as God over God's people, the mightier they became, the stronger they became, the more resolved that they became, and the more that God showed his power and his blessing upon his people. And we're thankful that God takes care of his children. He takes care of his people. And many of us go through crises and they're probably not crises like we've seen here in the first chapter of Exodus, but we all face those times where we are, uh, where the crisis may be motivated by fear or by hatred or by power. But I want you to understand that God is in control. Even through those times, he is in control. We see the Hebrews crisis, but not only that, number two, we see a mother's courage. A mother's courage. I want you to notice in verses 1 through 3 of chapter 2. And there went a man of the house of Levi and took a wife, or took to wife, excuse me, a daughter of Levi. And the woman conceived and bare a son. And when she saw him that he was a goodly child, she hid him three months and when she could not longer hide him, she took for him, she took for him an ark of bulrushes and daubed it with slime and with pitch and put the child therein, and she laid it in the flags by the river's brink. And so we understand that uh, Moses' father is mentioned here. There was a man. And we also understand that Moses' mother is mentioned here, that Amram took a wife, this woman conceived. But you notice that the names are not mentioned here. As a matter of fact, as we go through, we'll not see their names mentioned here in Exodus. The names weren't mentioned even in Hebrews chapter number 11. But we see the emphasis here placed upon this woman, this mother, who understood what was going on around her. She was in the midst of the crisis. She had been born during this crisis. And the older that she got, the more that uh, she realized that she was hated and that her people were hated and being awfully and grossly mistreated. And in the midst of all of this, God 
gives them a child. They already had two children. Miriam, her oldest, I believe was seven years old at this time. And then Aaron, I believe was four. They had young children. They were a young family. And during this crisis, when especially as this decree goes out from Pharaoh to all of his people to, uh, to uh, kill, to murder, if you will, the uh, male Hebrew boys who were born, that around that same time is when Moses' mother becomes pregnant with him. And the woman conceived and bare a son, and she saw that he was a goodly child, and she hid him three months. I want us to notice a mother's courage. And if you would, I'd like for you to turn back with me to Hebrews chapter number 11, and we'll identify some of these areas of her courage. And a courage that not only is emulated in mothers, but should be emulated in all of us as we stand for our God, as we stand for truth, as we uh, earnestly contend for the faith, as our pastor has been preaching in these previous weeks. And so we see again in chapter number 11, a mother's courage. First of all, in verse number 23, we see that uh, Jochebed had faith. She had faith. It says in verse 23, by faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents. She had faith in her God that he would take care of her through these circumstances, through this crisis that she was in, that they were living in, knowing that her son could be taken and be cast into the Nile River and lose his life. She understood that it wasn't God's plan for him to die. She understood that this was a child that was given to her on purpose. And by faith, she acted. How did she have faith? She understood God's word. Perhaps being there 400 years and understanding the, uh, the prophecy of Jacob that there would rise up one that would be the deliverer of Israel, that would deliver the Hebrew children out of Egypt and enter into Canaan. And understanding that promise by faith, she stood upon God's word believing that he was going to take care of her. She had faith and we see her courage as a result of her great faith, but she also had discernment. Look in verse 23. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child. They saw. He was a proper child. In Exodus chapter 2, Jochebed saw that he was a goodly child. And in Acts chapter 7, in verse 20, uh, the uh, deacon Stephen is preaching to the Pharisees and he mentions to them about Moses and that he was an exceeding fair child. Now, most understand that, that that means on a general sense, it means that he was, he was a, uh, a good looking, he was a beautiful baby, he was sweet, but it was more than that. And we don't know exactly how, but we understand that, that, that Jochebed discerned that this was a special child in a special time. She showed her courage because she had faith and she had discernment. She knew that this was a special time and she had seen, I'm sure, other mothers uh, who were struggling, who had suffered the loss of their male child during this awful time that Pharaoh had uh, decreed upon their people. 
But by faith, she didn't quit. By faith, she went forward. By faith, she discerned that this was a special child, that God was involved. But not only that, but we see her courage when she feared God more than man. See, the fear of man bringeth a snare. And her faith was in the power and the sovereignty of God. And she had fear of God but did not fear man. Look at verse 23 again in Hebrews 11. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. It did not matter what the Pharaoh said. She was not going to take her child and give it up to anyone. She was going to do everything that she could within her power. She was going to fulfill every responsibility that she had as a mother to that child that God had given her. And what an example of a mother with courage in a time of crisis. She had courage because of her faith and her discernment. And she feared God more than she feared man. She put her child in the hands of God when she had done all that she could do. In Exodus chapter 2 and in verse number 3, after having hid Moses for three months, she had gone as long as she could. And when she could not longer hide him, she took for him an ark of bulrushes and daubed it with slime and with pitch and put the child therein. And she laid it in the flags by the river's brink. I imagine she was hoping that by God's miraculous power that that, uh, that that ark with her baby would float through the Nile and that someone uh, precious out of the city, someone beyond where they were, uh, where the decree had been made that her baby would be found and that he would get to grow up and live. She had done everything that she could as a mother and her responsibilities, but when it came down to where she could do no more under the circumstances and within the crisis that she was in, she put her child in the hands of God. Let me remind us this morning that our children are a blessing from God, but they are the heritage of the Lord, and they belong to Him. And we are to be used as parents, as mothers and fathers to teach them and to train them in the way that they should go and to love them and to nourish them and to help them understand right and wrong and to know who Jesus is. That is our responsibility. But there comes a day that when we just have to say, God, these are your children. And we realize that you love them more than we love them. And you want the best for them more than we want the best for them. And so we dedicate them to you. We want them to live for you. We want them to know you at a young age and to live a life that would glorify you. And we give them to you and we trust our children to God. Jochebed had trusted her child to the hands of God. She had trusted and her courage to do so had come from God. Moms, if I may, may I give just a few reminders to you this morning as we've looked at Jochebed and a little bit about her. You know, you may be in the shadows now. You may not be well known and you certainly don't get all the credit that you deserve for the things that God uses you to do in the lives and hearts of children and people. But God will one day bring you into the light. God will one day as you stand before Him in the presence of all of His children and get to see and hear and spend eternity praising God for how He used your lives in the shadows, in the darkness sometimes, 
And in those times where you hurt for your children in a, in a depth that nobody knows the tears that you've shed. Our children don't know the tears that have been shed for them and the pillowcases that have been moistened with your tears because you've been concerned for them and praying for them. You may be in the shadows. Jacobed's name wasn't even mentioned in Exodus. It wasn't even mentioned in Acts. It wasn't even mentioned in Hebrews. And the only time that it is mentioned is in uh, Exodus chapter 6 and in Numbers 26, I believe it is, where Amram, her husband, and the genealogy of the people were given and her name was given. But her name is not well known and not many people talk about Jochebed. She was one that wasn't mentioned, but I'm going to tell you, though she wasn't mentioned much in the, in the pages of Scripture, and Moses, of course, takes the highlight and God uses him in a great way, and people refer to her as Moses' mother. Maybe when we get to heaven, she'll be uh, seen and viewed as uh, instead of this is the mother of Moses, that uh, Moses is the child of that Jochebed. Jochebed was a very special woman and wasn't well known. But she has forever been preserved in the pages of Scripture and given the honor of, of being in the Scripture so that we could see her life and the important role that she played in Moses, the deliverer, the lawgiver, one of the greatest leaders in all of Scripture, the man who spoke, as it were, face to face with God. And he had the privilege of being that leader that led the children of Israel to the promised land. And the impact, no doubt, on his life come from the courage and the faith and the fear of God that his mother had and instilled in him. Moms, let me say this to you. Every parent, every parent should strive to be godly. Our children need godly parents. And may God help us to be godly. Every little, uh, uh, even little children like Miriam can be used of God in a big way. We're going to see Miriam and how God used her in just a moment. And even our children can be used for God. And let's let, him, let's let our children serve the Lord while they're young as well. Not only that, but strive to fulfill your responsibilities and like Jochebed, trust in God's sovereignty to lead, to guide, and to mold your children. And may I say this, never give up hope for your children. If there was a lady in the Scriptures who never gave up and did everything that she could, even in this short time that we read about, it was Jochebed. And may we never give up on our children my wife was telling me of a story of a lady who, whose daughter had uh, ran away and rebelled and kind of the prodigal daughter, and she had put out on Facebook that she was going to leave her door unlocked in hopes that her daughter was going to come home. She was going to leave her door unlocked for her. Well, the daughter uh, came home, and the door was unlocked, and this was some time, of course, and God had been working in her life, and she comes home, and she finds her mother, and she said, Mom, why did you, why was the door unlocked? Anybody could come in, and she said, I, I left it open for you. She said, I never gave up that you would come home, and I wanted you to know that when you decided to come home, the door is unlocked, and home is open, and our arms are open to you. Well, that's the kind of love that especially given by mothers, it seems. They never give up. 
And may God help you that are tempted to give up, not to give up on your children, to continue to pray for them and to seek God and to, as it were, leave the proverbial door open in your heart. And may God help us. She never gave up. And so we see the Hebrews' crisis. And yet in the midst of crisis, we see a mother's courage. And then lastly, we see our God's control. Oh, this is amazing. Our God's control. We see in this passage, looking in verses 4 through 6, we see God's power. Look with me, if you would, in chapter 2 of Exodus in verse 4. And his sister stood afar off to wit what would be done to him. She was curious and wanted to stick around and see what was going to happen to her baby brother. Verse 5, And the daughter of Pharaoh came down to wash herself at the river, and her maidens walked along by the river's side. And when she saw the ark among the flags, she sent her maid to fetch it. And when she had opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the babe wept. And she had compassion on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Let me just stop and say right there that we see the power of God working in Pharaoh's daughter's heart. Oh, listen, this is the culmination of, of the, 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 the one thing that I imagine Jochebed did not want to happen, that somebody in Pharaoh's house would find her child. And yet we see that the child didn't make it very far at all, hung up there in the flags by the river, and her servants bring this ark. And she opens up the ark and sees the child. And her motherly instincts kick in as this child cries and she has compassion on him. We're talking about Pharaoh's daughter. The Pharaoh that had said, we're going to oppress the people and we're going to make it hard on them with rigor and we're going to affect their entire lives because we want to keep dominion over them. We want to keep our thumbs on them and keep them as our servants. And so the decree goes out that all of the people of Israel or all of the people of Egypt, excuse me, have the power to take a child that is born to the Hebrews and is male and to throw him into the river and here. What irony we have that the child of Jochebed, a Hebrew boy, the deliverer of the children of Israel is in the very river taken up by the daughter of Pharaoh. And in that moment, she could have taken that child and put him into the river and ended his life. But God, in his power, intervened in the life and the heart of Pharaoh's daughter. and She had compassion on this child. Oh, what powerful works our God can do in the worst of circumstances and crises. It was miraculous. We see that God is in control through His power, but we also see our God's control through His plan. Look in verses 7 through 9. Then said His sister to Pharaoh's daughter, let me just stop and say, what courage for a little girl. I wonder where she got that courage. Then said his sister to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call to thee a nurse of the Hebrew women that she may nurse the child for thee? I don't know what type of conversation Jochebed had with Miriam. Don't know how all of this 
and all of its detail came to pass. I want to tell you this. This little girl is sharp, and she's watched the example. She has been the closest companion to her mother, being the firstborn child, a girl, sticking close with mom, watching mom pray, watching mom prepare the meals, watching mom care for her little brother, watching uh, her mother go through this pregnancy, watching her mom respond to this crisis. This little girl has much courage and offers an idea. Verse 8, Pharaoh's daughter said to her, go. And the maid went and called the child's mother. I know we know this, but it's every time I read it, I'm just filled with, uh, with encouragement and, and strength and wonder and awe at our God and His control over the matters of men. His mother, Jochebed, is that chosen nurse, of course. And verse 9, Pharaoh's daughter said unto her, take this child away and nurse it for me. Can you imagine the joy that is exploding in the heart of Jochebed? As she has given her child and entrusted her child to God. God has revealed his control. And she got her baby back. For a limited time, for a little while, but she got her baby back. And she got to nurse her own child that she thought she may never see again. But it doesn't stop there. Take this child away and nurse it for me and I will give thee thy wages. Not only did she get her child back, but she got paid for being a mom. That's a pretty good deal. I think all mothers would agree. God's plan. And what an amazing plan and a plan that came to pass that only God could get the glory for. Why? Because even though there's a crisis, and even though there's a mother with courage, it all comes down that there's a God that's in control. He has power. He has a plan. But he also has a purpose. Look in verse number 10. And the child grew, and she brought him up, I'm sorry, and brought him unto Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. And she called his name Moses. And she said, because I drew him out of the water. We understand that Moses grew up in the home of the Pharaoh's daughter. We also understand that the purpose that we see here that God's plan was all about was, as it always is, to reveal himself. To reveal himself through these circumstances. You see, he revealed himself to Moses in Acts chapter number 7, and there's no need for you to turn there, but in Acts chapter number 7, if I may, I want to read just a few verses to you concerning this incident as described by Stephen, inspired of the Holy Spirit. He says in verses 21 and 22, in which time Moses was born and was exceeding fair and nourished up in his father's house three months and when he was cast out, Pharaoh, uh, Pharaoh's daughter took him up and nourished him for her own son. And Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in words and in deeds. You see, God had a great plan for Moses. But not only that, God had a great plan for the Hebrews. 
And he was going to use Moses to bring about that plan. He not only had a great plan for Moses, but he had planned to use Moses to reveal himself to his own people. The God that they had heard about. The God that they had, uh, had, had been praying to. And he was going to be revealed to them in an unusual way through the deliverance uh, and the leadership of Moses and the power of God through Moses and the, the plagues and all the miraculous things that were accomplished there for the Pharaoh to finally let God's people go. And God revealed Himself uh, at the Red Sea. He revealed Himself to His children. And on and on He continued by miraculous works to reveal Himself to His people. See, our God's in control. He has power. He has a plan. And he has a purpose. And that purpose in your crisis is to reveal Himself to you as He did to Moses, to the Hebrews as He does to His people, but not only that, to the world. There were people of Egypt who saw the power of God used through uh, the deliverer Moses that traveled along with them. They had an opportunity to see the power of God and to yield to Him. God was revealing His power. He was revealing His providence. He was revealing His sovereignty to the people of the known world. And this plan in chapter 2 involving a godly mother with courage was a part of that plan. Our God is in control. His purpose was to reveal Himself to Moses, to the Hebrews, and to the world. And so this morning, this story is not a story about Moses. We read a lot about Moses and God gives us a lot about him and his meek spirit and the way that he had a walk with God like no other. His leadership, the things he learned, the good and the bad and how God used his life. This is not about Moses. And though in this chapter we emphasize Jochebed and a courageous mother that during a crisis had faith in God, she was discerning of the times and discerning of what was needed. And she feared God more than she feared man. And she should be honored, but it's really not about Jochebed either. This whole passage, just like any other passage that we read about, it's all about God it's all about His love. It's all about His power. It's all about His sovereignty. It's all about His desire to know you and you to know Him, rather. It's about His desire to be revealed to the world through you and revealed to others that need encouragement through you. Your crisis that you may be facing needs to be faced with courage, but also needs to be faced with faith, knowing that God's in control. God is in control and the times that we live in, the things that we're facing today, and we don't know which way things could go in this point of our history or what this may be setting up in times ahead. But I know this, that though there may be a crisis and many are suffering in different ways and in a crisis, God's people need to rise up with courage and trust the Lord have faith in God and understand that He is in control. He wants to use this in our lives and use this through our lives to do exactly what 
the song was about a little while ago, a little while ago, that people may see Jesus in me, see Jesus in you. And this morning, if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, I want to encourage you that He knows you and where you're at, and He loves you with an everlasting love. He wants you to be His child. He'll not force Himself upon you. And all He expects is that you would be honest with Him as He's honest with you. He's honest with us in saying that sin has a penalty. When we break His law, the penalty ultimately is separation from God in hell, everlastingly, eternally separated from God. And He doesn't desire that for you. It's not intended for man to be separated from God. God wants a relationship. He's not looking for your religious acts. He's not looking for you to live up to some standard. He is looking for you to look to Him as your hope. And if you'll simply be honest with Him and confess that you believe, that you believe that Jesus Christ is God's Son and that He died and rose again, do you believe that? If you do, then you qualify for the gift of God, which is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And you can have that gift for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you understand that you're lost because of sin, but you believe that Jesus died in your place and rose again to give you eternal life, then God simply says, believe. Believe on His Son. And if you'll put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ this morning, no matter your crisis, if you'll have the courage to put your faith in Jesus Christ, then you'll understand and see the control and the sovereignty and the love of God as He guides your life for your good and for His glory. If you don't know Jesus, I want to urge you to call on Him today and simply confess with your mouth to Him something like this. Lord, I've sinned and I'm sorry and I'm guilty. But I believe you died for me on the cross and I want you to come into my life. I want you to come into my heart and be my Savior. I trust you, Lord Jesus, as my personal Savior today. Help me to live for you. And from your heart, you can pray something simple like that because it's not the words that come from your mouth. It's the motive and the understanding of your heart that you need a Savior. For others of you who are believers, aren't we glad that we know the Lord Jesus? But maybe you're in a crisis, difficult times. But I want to encourage you as you continue to keep going and you, you're not quitting and you're doing everything that you can and all that you know to do as your responsibility meets the sovereignty of God, we see his power. We see his plan. We see his purpose. And his purpose will be fulfilled in you. He will finish the work he's done. Hang in there. Don't quit. Keep going. And through it all and throughout eternal ages, we'll all get together and be able to praise God and rehearse all of the wonderful things that he's done for us. What a wonderful and awesome God. And he deserves to be loved and feared and worshiped, talked about. And may God help us to do that. Thank you for listening to this message from Tabernacle Baptist Church. We pray that God has used his word to speak to your heart today. 
If you'd like to learn more about the ministries of Tabernacle Baptist Church, you can go to our website, tabernaclehickory.org. That is tabernaclehickory.org. There you'll find additional resources that we pray God will use to be a help to you. If the Lord should lead you to partner with us or make a donation online, you'll find a link provided on the website at tabernaclehickory.org. May God bless you and thank you for listening.